happy Friday, everyone. Uh, hope everyone's well. Um, Steve, hi. Donna, hi. Elise, hello. Madan, Kyle, Marissa. Uh, everyone that's here, say hello. Look at that number, Jess, 1,801. What in the hell? <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing, you guys. Hey, Christy, how are you? Hi, Tara, how are you? Uh, please let us know where you're joining from. Uh, just the city and state and country. Marissa, you like that music? Rocky, Calgary. Someday we should have like a dance party, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be kind of fun. Denver, British Columbia, Kansas City. Someone loves your sweater. Thank you. Our special oh, guest, New Providence, New Jersey, Newark, California, in the house. <laughs> <laughs> How did I sound? Did I sound natural doing that? I'm sure Leah behind the scenes, like, oh, oh yeah, completely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, welcome everyone to the digital meetup. Thank you guys so much for joining. Frank, good to see you. Um, so, so excited to uh, have you guys here. Show number 102. Yes, show number wow. 102. Um, I see we've crashed our 1800 mark number, which is really exciting. So, awesome to uh, have you. Josh from the state of hockey is checking in. Uh, thanks for checking in, Josh. Um, so, How's everyone? Um, for those of you that are new, welcome. Uh, we always start with a simple question, green, yellow, or red. How are you today? Green, you're feeling great, energized, ready to go. Yellow, uh, oh, Amy's here from Eau Claire. Awesome, so-so. Uh, red, not so good. Alicia starts off right off with the green hearts. Steve I love it. Jewel had <clears throat> dip number 117. Mm. Uh, uh donna yellow red with an expected green in 55 minutes we got a lot of work to do <laughs> uh christy's yellow um yellow green greenish yeah dorothy thank you for bringing up ukraine uh, i was going to start with that but uh mm -hmm. prayers out to everyone um in ukraine and those that are have connections to that world so andy welcome we're gonna thanks for uh being honest um about where you are today um oh man rex sorry to hear that the school shooting stuff is yeah. hard rex i'm not sure if you were on with um marcus um uh, two episodes ago when he talked about lovelessness in schools and everything around schools it's a really hard time to be that age um and we talked about this last week as well is how to talk to your kids about what's going on in ukraine um, I think we shared that link last week as well, but, um, yeah, lots of stuff going on in the world. Um, but, uh, together from a community standpoint, we can, uh, get through anything, not just this community, but all of the other communities that, uh, that we have in our life. Um, Jess, you and I had the cool opportunity to talk to a bunch of students last night, like yeah. college students. I haven't been on a college campus and a long time 
That was so cool, Steve. Thanks for having us. Talked about like what was what were like what was the question that intrigued you the most? Like I have one that I've been talking about all day, but you and I haven't talked about this yet. Um, there were a couple. One is looking for you know how do we convince? We hear this question. Like the students in Steve's class are already asking this question. We hear this every single day from business leaders. Yes, but how do we get buy-in? Yes, but how do we convince people we need to move forward? We need to move in this direction. That, you know, we get that question all the time. It didn't surprise me. It surprised me that students are already thinking ahead to that, whether they're already working professionals or not. These are master's level students. So um, and then and then somebody's somebody was sort of worried that we were just going to fall back into the old normal. That's the one. I was like, no, God, no. no. Not if we band together. one that said that basically, there were, I mean, in, in a nutshell, they didn't say this. And the professor of the class is on, so he probably has the transcript. But in a nutshell, they basically said, all you old people are basically going to take work back to the way it was pre-2020. Yeah. And and that's you know I, you saw my reaction mask and all, and I was like yeah that's what you that's what we can stop, yeah uh, yeah and there's Steve Steve Lewis who's a professor at the University of Minnesota, um, yeah I got a note from one of the students this morning that I was that actually made me so excited, like she said I could have spent all night with you and Jess. And I was like, wow, that's really good. We should have gone to the bar after. What? Yeah, like I was pissed at Steve for not giving us more time. Uh, <laughs> I could have sat and listened all night. And for a student to say that, I was yeah. like, wow, that's really, really good. Donna, yeah. yeah, Donna, yes, Google said they're bringing everyone back to the office, but they didn't say it that way, Donna. It's really important uh, to think about wording and communication. They said that they were allowing people to return to office but they did not say it was going to be required they didn't say they're going to be monitoring they didn't say it was going to be mandatory like they were in the past so i think it's really important donna to that we don't uh, bundle everything together and just base things i mean just as someone who knows a little about what's going on in google they're definitely not going back to the way that it was um my old booty <laughs> <laughs> I can't even read that. My old booty is working hard trying to make a whole new place. This whole community is. So I hope the students know they have entire communities of old people pushing the new. Love that, Elise. Thank Elise is really good with words, isn't she? Mm -hmm. uh, I changed jobs this year, and I can tell you my former employer is going back to old normal, and they're losing people over it like crazy. Totally agree. I mean, that's what, Jess, I'm pretty sure that's what we said to the group last night is that, you know, if your company does that, you are going to lose people and more than likely you won't be able to stay in business. Um, you've all heard my caribou coffee stories about, um, you know, why certain caribous are closed, yet Starbucks across the streets open. It's based on how they're treating people. So that was really great. Um, <laughs> at least. My entire purpose in life is to make Jason try and read my comments in my voice. Yeah, my old my old booty. It's like a very slang. I just have such a natural way, don't I? Um, the other thing that happened this week was HR Tech Virtual. 
which was a brilliant event. Um, had an opportunity to watch a bunch of demos that I'd never seen before. Um, had a bunch, had a huge opportunity. I did some of it. Don't laugh at me, Jess, but I even did some of it last night um, after I got home. I know you're probably like, why did you do that after spending the night with Steve's class? But I actually watched a couple demos last night before bed, put me right to sleep. No, but they were really, really exciting. They were really, really exciting. Um, and stuff that I wouldn't have seen if it wasn't for that virtual conference, because I, I mean, even if I was there, I wouldn't have gone to those demos. So um, really, really love that concept. And for those of you that um, that haven't, you can still go to that. You can still take part in that. I think the recordings are out there for the next 30 days. So like, just learn. Uh, even if you do one every two or three days for the next 30 days, you're going to find 10 new things that are truly, truly fascinating um, based on what was out there. So please, please take the opportunity to do that. Um, we at LeapGen had a couple sessions, and I know that I had the opportunity to talk to a few people in some of those sessions also. So great, great event. Uh, highly recommend you leverage the recordings. Jess, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I love hands hats off to Gina Kelly. The conference is still going on, so you can still go out to HR Tech Conference. Kyle Lagunas is the closing keynote. Love Kyle. Uh, and so so be sure that you go out to the agenda. All of the sessions are in there as, you know, record, even if they've already been, you can go watch Jason's from yesterday. You can go watch George's who we're about to welcome on. So make sure you consume a bunch of that content. This is like such a huge opportunity to learn and get a ton of amazing thought leadership and con content all nicely packaged for you in one place. And know that when this conference was programmed, it was around the theme of purpose. It's a te technology conference, a technology conference programmed around the theme of purpose. What the heck? How do you connect those dots? And everybody did, and we all need to, and we should. I mean, that, that that's a very intentional um, sort of thing to connect those dots. But I loved, again, hats off to Jean and the entire LRP and HR technology conference team um, for designing such a beautiful event. There is a connection to people. There should be. The job is to connect people and purpose in order to drive performance. And yes, technology plays a role in that. And we're going to talk tech. We're going to talk about George's insights on the market and where all of this is going. Um, but I love I love that theme. And just to you know, sort of bring this back to the student's question last night, I watched a TED talk this morning um, because I was helping, I was handing off some ideas. Some, one of our colleagues asked me for a couple of ideas and I sourced this TED talk. I'm not even gonna tell you who said this. If anybody can guess who said this or what I'm defining right now, put it in the chat. The radical idea that human beings are all equal and we can dispense with the labels of gender and class and race and begin to realize our unique individuality. That's a definition. And what I'm defining is the most unified movement we've ever seen in history. And if anybody can guess who said that, that is the definition of feminism, believe it or not, the most unified movement we've ever seen in history all joined the movement around the idea that human beings are equal, dispense with labels. And I honestly think this purpose conversation we're having, this workforce movement conversation we're having, this 
humanization of work movement. It's the same thing. I don't care what you call the movement. I don't care how you describe this idea that we are human beings. We are whole selves and we show up to work to deliver value and to contribute to the world. And we want to connect our purpose. We want to change the world. That's what's happening. If it feels like there's some kind of crazy disruptive movement happening, my gosh, what a beautiful movement to be a part of. Jess, do you see the guesses? Einstein, Ruth Ginsburg, and Big Bird. <laughs> That's Gloria Steinem's definition of fem feminism. I would say that's the definition of humanity. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, and Madan, thank you for your comments about um, my session as well. Um, that's one of the easiest sessions I've ever delivered in my life um, mm -hmm. because I truly believe in, I mean, it's that, that concept of purpose is built into everything we need to be doing today. So um, I, I can deliver architecture sessions that are the, that one was uh, very easy to deliver um, because it means uh, so much to me. So let's, uh, a, another rock star uh, that at the HR Tech Conference is our guest today. And, uh, you know, Jess, I don't even know how you know George. Do you want to share, like, how you know George? Well, how do you work in this industry and not know George? Did you do that on purpose, J another la rock star? <laughs> you, you like that? I do like that. Yeah, I mean, George, I'm, sure I'm sure he's heard it before, right? Po yeah, possibly. Yeah, uh, if you don't know George LaRock, George LaRock is one of the industry's best, most renowned, most highly visible, there he is, uh, analysts, analysts and advisors around technology solutions. And George, I, I don't even know how many you've seen in your career, in your lifetime but you probably have seen a lot. <laughs> and so uh, we're excited to talk to you about this crazy market and crazy time. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm green, green, what? all green today, all green today. You know, there's all, there's the undercurrent with the Ukraine stuff, yeah. but uh, I'm excited to be here, uh, especially after watching Jason yesterday. I was, I've, I went and had like five cups of coffee. I was like, I got to keep up with, with this, energy and passion today what am i how am i gonna do that george george yeah i don't I, I was actually looking at my hair it's getting a little gray like when all of a sudden you start to run out of time to make changes in the industry you have to get a little more passionate you know what i mean you're like oh shit like i don't have that many breaths left so you're like well, we've got so much to do and um we were with um Steve Lewis, I think you heard of the University of Minnesota last night, and he mentioned that he watched your session also and was amazed. Um, oh, so uh, oh, yeah, don't here. start. Don't just throw the kudos at me. Kudos to you, dude. Yeah, um, you know you. I, I I couldn't get the my DJ work. George is lacking. Um, <laughs> like my my song I wanted to play for you was "Here Comes the Money." Like when you came <laughs> on. That's what I was trying to do. That's why I was on mute, but I couldn't get it all figured out. Um, so, but George spends so much time thinking about and talking to people who are raising money, who are understanding the financial levers of this space. And, you know, often we don't, I mean, so many people don't even understand exactly. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, well, George, thanks you yeah. for yeah. seeing you like the session yesterday. Um, 
but a great session. But there, there's so much, there's so much work that happens to bring a product to market. So much work. Uh, you know, I mean, just in our whole business, we talk to people about product strategy, and George does as well. You know, how do people raise money to build products? If you've ever watched George's interviews, he talks to founders, you know, that have pulled out their hair just trying to raise money to bring a passion project to life. Um, so, George, not just your knowledge of the space, but your knowledge of how things come into the space are so, so um, fascinating. And um, I would just love for you to talk a little about your background first, um, you know, in just like, how did you ever get interested? I mean, I would say, did your parents raise you to be an HR? But how did we ever, how did you ever get interested in this stuff? That's a, um, that's a fun question. And I think it, it, it also, the way I got into this versus the way people are getting into it now, um, shows some of the shift, I think, in the market. So uh, I've been in this space for over 30 years. And uh, like most people who have been in it over 30 years, the way I tell the story is like, you know, I, I gosh, I fell into it. You know, it, it, it did it choose me? Did I choose it? I'm mm -hmm. not sure, but I came through the staffing world. And it was really, you know, I was a young you know, 20s, you know, first big job, it was a sales job, right? And someone that was a recruiter said, I think you might be good at this. And it was all about sales. But then you get into it, I spent 10 years on that side. And um, a few years into it, you become you really become a recruiter. And you really are, it's more about um, the, 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 the discipline and the role that you have in helping people. And then I moved on to the employer side and took on more HR, uh, then created a consulting company where we brought in, um, uh, we would have been an RPO with a small HR consulting group, grew to about 55 people in the Boston area. And we brought our own tech in. And uh, I, then I moved on to the tech side. One of those relationships was with a little tiny startup um, that we were advising on where to go with their product. It was called Higher Systems, became Brass Ring. So I, I was employee number 10 over there and ran uh, global sales for them to about 50 million. They ended up as uh, part of uh, IBM. Um, I spent another decade, maybe 11 years on the uh, tech provider side. And it was always the, the value that I brought, had a few good runs, right? I took... Um, the company that is, became telemetry and is part of Jobvite, mm -hmm. uh, I was the general manager when it was called HireDesk, and it was all competency-based, quality of hire, assessments, and uh, workflow, and uh, took Bullhorn through their first big venture capital raise, 25, 25 million. But the the how I really viewed myself, like when Brass Ring, or at the time Hire Systems, called me and said, we want you to come in and we want to talk about you joining. I thought, oh, they're going to want me to like own all the client relationships because I know how this stuff works. They're like, no, we want you to sell it. OK, I can do that, too. But it's always been bridging the understanding of what it takes to do the job with what the technology is trying to do and helping both sides understand each other. So then. Uh, you know, after 11 years on the vendor side, I went to the uh, this analyst advisory space. And that was 
in large part out of necessity. I was at a point where I really needed uh, some flexibility. So I needed to break out on my own. And um, and then uh, it's just been an evolution from there. It was, um, uh, you know, I started writing about, I was consulting largely with vendors at that time on go to market. Then I started writing about the cool stuff I was seeing. And then people started calling me an analyst, but I put research behind what I was writing about. And then over the years started tracking more of the growth capital coming into the space. And, and here we are today. So it's, Amazing. it's been a, it's been a, um, I can tell the story like it was a bunch of really like a lot of careers, like, you know, started out at the beginning and I knew where I was headed, but, um, you know, HR and, uh, this whole world sort of found me or we found each other and I've, I've just, and it was great timing with, you know, the advent of the web in the, in the nineties and web 2.0 and, you know, just, uh, th there's definitely some luck in, involved in being at the right place at the right time. So George, just really quickly, I'd say you've had one awesome run. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you've had a few good runs. <laughs> like, you've had one awesome run, dude. Yeah. Like, sorry to be so bold about it, but I, you uh, should think of thanks, it that way. Um, it's really, really important. Um, so what about the money part of it? Like, where do you get the finance? Like this, the way you talk about money, mm -hmm. like you're a banker. <laughs> no, like, definitely, definitely I mean, not a banker. But no, yeah. I mean the way you talk about it, like you know that you know the ins and outs of company, how people raise money, and building business cases. Like mm -hmm. you're really great at that. Like, how did you get the money side of it combined with the people side of it? Well, I lived through it uh, a little bit, right? So, um, what what back during the brass ring days, we, you know, we didn't talk about the money we raised, right? That it was, it was, uh, but we raised, uh, there was an incredible amount of money at that time. This was, you know, like late nineties into 2002 era, right? Um, it was about $200 million came in from a bunch of the top newspapers, Gannett, um, the Trib, the Post, um, Excel partners was really just, they were, you know, top shelf VC but they were just really small investor. And um, so I lived through through that. I lived through raises at um, of different types uh, in every place that I that I was on the on the tech side. And then uh, from an advisory you know, perspective, as um, as things have just exploded um, on the VC side, I, you know, I've just been there you know, help learning, learning by, by mm -hmm. doing and going through it. I uh, have always helped investors uh, evaluate uh, tech providers and helped um, practitioners do it as well. So yeah, it just, it, it comes with, uh, with, with experience. And I, I, the interesting thing is how I'm known for them tracking the growth capital in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I do a lot more than that, but, you know, people love to follow the money. And the whole thing started back in 2016 when we, we, there were a couple of big years, like 2015, there was an article in the New York Times and it was talking about how much money was going into HR tech. And I read that. I remember reading that article and thinking, they don't even have it half right. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm aware of a lot more money that came into HR okay. tech. And then I saw CB Insights did something, my same reaction. So I started tracking it. And then um, 
few quarters later, the next round of articles come out. Yeah, I, you know what, I'm aware of a lot more than, than, than they are. And not only am I a, a, aware of the data, but, you know, having the data isn't that unique. It's having the insight and the understanding of where it fits and, and, and where mm-hmm. it's moving. Um, and so fast forward where now I've got five years of data going on six years of data and it's become an incredible asset because I can tell you, you know, who, where they were then, where they are now, I've got, you know, it's all categorized. So it's not only a financial database, but a really a, a market landscape. I've got 1500 transactions and then 500 additional vendors on top of that. It's, it's become uh, insight that's valuable, whether you're buying or whether you're, you're selling HR technology. Speaking of uh, research-driven market insights, Stacy Harris was one of our, our co-lecturers last night uh, for Steve Lewis's class, and she shared with the class, just, to, just talking about the HR technology landscape in general, um, she commented on how noisy, crowded, incredibly mm-hmm. crowded and busy this space is, and it's complicated and confusing. And she commented on the fact that, you know, everybody wants to push up market, up market, up market. Everybody wants enterprise. Um, but so many of the amazing providers, some of them are on here in this space, are actually going downstream, going back down market. Not only is it underserved, or I should say it's underserved and it is less crowded maybe as a, as a result of that. Um, and maybe that's where opportunity lies, where real innovation um, can happen. Would what would you say about that? Does that seem accurate? Oh yeah, um, I I think there's been a movement to the mid, mid market, um, and I, I look. You know, everybody's got a different different definition of these things, right? But um, yeah. let's say let's say that SMB is up to 500 employees or so, and then mid, middle market goes maybe to 5,000. Some might say 10,000. Then enterprises over that. But if you think about where the world works it's in small and, and medium-sized businesses. If you if you just say up to a thousand employees, you've got like 90% of the employers in the world covered. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to get up over a hundred employees. It's, it's you know, that most people work at small and medium-sized businesses, most humans. So the, um, the in about 2013, I started seeing more purpose-built solutions, mm-hmm. mainly on the HCM and like payroll side coming out. Um, and if you think about it, um, payrolls always cover all of the market segments, right? Everybody's got to pay. Everybody's got to be, you know, cover their taxes, be compliant. Um, you've got to get that right. But as everything we said in the 90s came true, right? The world is flat. You're competing with talent globally now more than ever. The workforce is, is distributed, dispersed, hybrid, where, wherever you're, uh, you're going. And now what do I need as a, as a middle-sized business? I need the same types of tools, I need the same kind of sophistication if I'm thinking about my benefits, my employee engagement, my recruiting, all of it. Um, so there's been a lot more adoption and the technologies become more consumerized, more beautiful, more you know, easier to use, easier to integrate. So um, yeah, I would say that um, there's definitely greener field there um, and a lot of opportunity. George, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit sure. and ask, you know, we talk about raising money, 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 money. But, you know, if we go back to if we take that and continue it on, 
what do you do you actually hear a lot of people that are getting the value from spending money on hr technology <laughs> and i know that's a little bit of a different question but you know i mean oh, talk you, bait, about, you bait you <laughs> bait talk a lot about the market value of these companies etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know all day long we work with organizations who say uh, we put in so and so and it's not working for us or we put in so and so and it's not working for us mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering if you know when you have these conversations with ceos and and vcs like do they see the return eventually i mean and I mean, the other question, and this might be loaded and you don't have to answer it. Do they care? I mean, <laughs> very loaded. I mean, yeah. they care you buy the software, but do they actually care that it's impacting outcomes and potential of people and, and humans? George, I think this is called a softball. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Swing. <laughs> well, I... I so the whole model is, you know, the, the venture capital model, if you, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb that's thrown out there is, you know, 90% aren't successful, right? 10% mm-hmm. are successful. Um, I would say um, that I have a slightly different view where I would say 10% are wildly successful. And there's probably, you know, 30 or 40% who by any normal performance terms are successful but they'll never deliver back to those investors, right? So these companies who are unicorns, they're under a lot of pressure to deliver uh, an awful lot of revenue to realize, like that's just on paper. Like my valuation is, whether it's a half a billion or a billion, um, you know, having a revenue run rate and and an exit, that's whether I go public or whether I'm sold, that's going to return on a, like a five to one basis back to my uh, investors, that's and, hard to do. And so, George, before you, before you go further, when you say successful, mm-hmm. does that mean successful to them or successful to the HR buyer? Now you I think, think they'd be one and the same. You Well, to the investor, uh, it's a totally different, you know, metric, right? Like yep. that's so, so to your point. Um, you could be successful for your cust- with your customers. You could have raving fans. You could have grown at 100% year over year uh, or something, you know, aggressive. You could have uh, you could have done amazing things, but because you raised so much money and were valued at a, you're you're nowhere near where you need to be. You're not a success in your investors' eyes, and then you you know you could end up, you know, becoming like a zombie vendor out there. You know, you you can't, you're, the exit that happens is one where you're acquired by somebody else or, you know, it's yeah. just, it's not strategic. It's not, um, it's a, um, you know, you end up getting pushed out of the business as a founder, um, as the, the asset is purposed for, uh, you know, a different outcome, right? So it's, um, it's, it's a, there's a lot of risk involved in, in, in yep. this path. It's the culture that we've, we've uh, especially in the U.S., that we've really exploded here. Um, but to answer your question, I think, you know, there are products that uh, people love, but by and large, um, you know, my whole message in my um, uh, session at HR Tech, or one of the messages was, maybe you don't need to rip and replace uh, your system. Maybe you need to 
rethink your process and get that right. And maybe, maybe you do need to fill a few gaps, but the, and I use the, it's a very unpopular opinion, but I use the talent marketplace trend as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's where all the events would be the latest butt of all jokes. Okay. The talent marketplace. Stacey Harris made a joke about it yesterday. It seems to be the thing that everyone's talking about that no one's doing. It's yeah. like yeah. everybody <laughs> plots right. an internal mobility game. Nobody's doing it. Right, right. right. Talent and, marketplace yeah. is a new one, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like um, uh, the a very incremental way of, of moving talent management forward. And my point is, you know, it, you know, you if you've invested so much in whether it's an LMS or whether it's, you know, where, where, whatever you've centered your your retention strategy or your skill strategy on in its current form, maybe you need to surround that with some new thinking and some maybe maybe you don't need to rip and replace the platform um, while you think about what the next wave is. There's another way, you know, to to move yep. to. Um, a talent marketplace while you're not thinking about like total talent, you're not thinking about external market data and internal workforce data and trying to get a hand, do more strategic planning It's short-sighted and none of the systems do that for you. None of them do that for you. And I think we might be looking at a wave in the next few years where that becomes available, but I would, I would advise at, spending my money um, on my people and and supporting that process more and finding opportunities to test a few apps, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, do we really need this kind of matching? Well, let's test that before we invest in a platform that that goes there. I know I'm vendor, I'm gonna get calls after this, but- uh, (laughs) There's there's so many questions. I wanna make sure I get to one. One of the people asked, and I love, um, it's a a new community member, Jessica said, how do you define unicorn in this instance? Um, you know, Jess, your daughter loves unicorns, doesn't she? I mean, Bailey has one definition of unicorns. I think it's privately held companies a billion plus. George, is that bil- billion is the is the key number, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, valued at a billion. Valuated. So it doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's the traditionally that's the definition and. The interesting, like last year, we minted thirty new unicorns in HR yeah. Tech. Um, and Bob so makes getting... this comment in the chat, like now there's unicorns everywhere. So yeah. is it a true unicorn anymore? If there's a ton of them, um, right? Unicorns imply rare. Now, now we're seeing, like, what about all the unicorns in the space? It's crazy. It, I guess it's an indication of the, of the money that's really flowing and the investment that's being made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, money uh, was cheap, right? Uh, yeah. In the last few years, so interest rates were really low. There was a lot of uh, there were a lot of investors looking for a place to go uh, with money. Uh, when the pandemic hit, um, I went back to muscle memory and thought, okay, we're going to have a couple quarters. Things get kind of slow. Investors are going to want to see where things go. I, I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, we ended up going from uh, a record year in 2020 at 5 billion to uh, almost 18 billion in 2021. Um, And now, you know, the last few months, 
oh, inflation, right? Oh, that's going to do it. That's going to do it. We'll, we'll slow down on inflation. No, there's so much money out there. Now we've done uh, 3.5 billion this quarter. We still have a month left to go, 84 deals. Um, through inflation now, will will the global situation with Ukraine impact this? I, I, I can't even, can't begin to forecast it or predict it because logic certainly has nothing to do with it. So I, it's, there's a lot of money looking for, looking for a home out there. And um, I do think that to, to the earlier question, we do have a, an increase in investors, just like we have increased focus with them from employees on um, what investors would call ESG issues, environmental, societal, and governance. But you know, it's, are you thinking about the environment as, as a business? Are you thinking about people? Are you thinking about culture? Um, and are you thinking about things like diversity, equity, inclusion, and can you report on it and demonstrate it? And you know, for the same reasons, a lot of employees are starting to give their notice and jump ship. Um, investors, uh, whether it's public or private, are starting to look at those issues as well. So um, I do think more investors care now than ever before, but it's still, you know, it's I meet a lot of tech bros out there. You know, so did you say tech pros or tech bros? bros. Tech bro. Yeah, that's <laughs> tech nice. bro. bro. I like yeah, that. I, I like yeah. that. Bros. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, another bro in the community, Leo asked a question. Yeah. And, that's yeah a sorry, good one. I don't call you a bro. But it's a uh, um, it's a really great question. Um, where does the thought content for AI and tech originate? Mm. Where do these people get these ideas? So, like George, you get to talk to so many. Um, and now everyone's going to make fun of the bros, like teams <laughs> and yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, the like when you talk to these founders, where do they get their ideas? Do you find a lot of them are actually talking to CHROs or a lot of, you know, where do you, I know they come from lots of different places, but when you get the chance to talk to the founders, like where does, where does their thought start from? And like, where are they hoping to go with it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. You know um, the uh, most of them have uh, some kind of personal story, uh, whether it's their experience, uh, whether, you know, managing people, hiring people, uh, engaging employees and, and, you know, saw a better vision. Some come out of the industry. They've, uh, they're more operators. And, you know, they would say that, uh, their work in the field has them talking to CHROs and, and seeing the opportunities. Um, some of them are clearly just business model people. They're just, you know, it's it's a calculus based on what's happening in the market and have very little e exposure. Uh, you can you can sniff them out pretty quickly, um, but uh, it's all over the place, all over the place. What do you think about what Elise just said? Speaking of bro, <laughs> yeah. uh, making fun of me earlier, uh, the sales and marketing space got crowded, so they jumped to HR. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, my personal take on that, Elise, is that we have so much to learn from the how we consume the focus on consumerization, and then how do we treat employees like we want to treat our best customers? I think there's a lot to learn from that. Um, so I, I love when I see sales and marketing people do that jump because they care for customers. 
hopefully they bring the same care when it comes to employees. But George, I, you know, I don't know if you agree with that or not. But yeah, I, I think um, the 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 background uh, that they bring anybody brings to the table is less important than their commitment to solving the problems, right? So uh, I think having fresh eyes on the space who have solved solved other issues like you're talking about is a really good thing. And it's helped us move th some areas forward. Uh, it's That's been really helpful. Sometimes the people from the industry are myopic, right? They're so, they're so focused on the way we've done things that um, they have a hard time seeing where things are headed. Um, but at the same time, they also really understand the, their customers. So, you know, it, it's about that. Um, it's about their mindset and it's about how they approach uh, the business and the team. Uh, that that's what matters. Uh, you know, it's, I, I love watching um, folks who come from outside the industry over mm -hmm. a period of a few years, there's like a switch that gets thrown and it's like, okay, you're one of us now. Now you're, you know, you're, you really get it. You know, a few years ago, you, you didn't really understand how this all fit together. Uh, and, you know, you'll see CEOs, you know, they, they have to stop saying they're not from the industry anymore because they've been here too long. Right. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, that's always an interesting transition. So over the next five to seven years, do you predict more work days will be born? that try to do everything power of one, or do you predict more point and edge solutions continue to be, yeah. be born and innovate? I, I both, it's both, right? I, I do believe that um, more, uh, you know, what I'm hearing now, um, I, I hear it frequently is we wanna be the next work day. You know, uh, and if you think, you know, how long is Workday in the position that that it's in? I'm not a Workday hater, um, but uh, you know, everything goes in cycles, and they're a definitely. A lot of people don't realize that Workday is 17, 18 years old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people still think Workday is new. You right. know, it's been around for a long time. Like the world has changed a lot. Right. Since then. Right, and you know, if you think about uh, what um, you know. Dave Duffield's a founder there, uh, and he really uh, knocked the last company that he started out of the pole position with Workday, right? PeopleSoft. Uh, so it was it was a PeopleSoft world, and you, it was hard. You know, Oracle acquired it, but still, it was hard to imagine PeopleSoft not being the HCM platform mm -hmm. uh, integrated into Oracle's ERP, and then suddenly now it's a Workday world. It, everything goes in cycles, and um, you know. Workday, all of the platforms try to find a way to hang on, but there will be there will be other platforms, and they're they're starting to emerge now. The technology is changing so much that it's almost a a, a given that there are going to be other platforms. Buyers love platforms. Buyers love you know as a user, do how many systems do I want to deal with? How many relationships do I want to manage? How many contracts? Um, but at the same time, none of these platforms do everything well. So you're you're you need those edge solutions. And every time somebody out there is going to bring up market consolidation, it always comes up at this point in the conversation. Yes, there have been a lot of acquisitions there when the, as soon as we do have a bump in the economic cycle, you're going to see a ton of these vendors get acquired. I, I, I know of several shops 
that are waiting for that economic bump to start getting acquisitive, to get better terms on filling some gaps that they need to fill. But all that does is make space for other innovators to come in. Um, it's look at how this market has grown. We've been talking about market consolidation since I was on, I, I joined the tech side in 98. The market has expanded infinitely and it, it will continue to because the innovation, we can't keep up with the tech trends. We can't keep up with the societal trends. So we need those edge solutions to support those, those platforms. That's my take. Yeah. And Elise, I'm going to kind of kind of circle back to something you said about being, you know, being sold. And and George, you just said, how many systems can we really use, consume? Do we want to deal with? Again, you're kind of speaking from an HR buyer, system administrator, IT, you know, sort of perspective. As soon as we figure, I love it too when people come into this space, especially when they come from the consumer side, who don't understand this crazy world that we live in. Because they come in and they go, what in the, what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense because we think about it from that perspective. We think about people as end users. We think about systems as a, as a product or an experience. The system, the tool is never the experience. I'm sorry, is never the product. What Elise commented on earlier, and, and there, I think it kind of came off of some chatter around sales and marketing is the same as recruiting and sourcing. Yes, that's right. You have two products in your company, what you actually sell, your services, your products, whatever you sell, and your jobs, your opportunities. So you have two customers, people who can come work for you and people who are going to buy your stuff. And as soon as we sort of figure out that that product mindset, we talk about that a little bit at LeapGen, but it's really sort of that product mindset. Your experience is a product, mm -hmm. not, not workday. Yeah. You're not delivering Workday as, a, as an experience, I hope. <laughs> You're delivering an experience as an ex and, and you're using tools to sort of stitch that together. That's when people come, especially when people come from the consumer side, from consumer branding or marketing or sort of that product marketing mindset, they seem to get that a lot more quickly. And, I, and they tend to innovate some of these archaic, you know, sort of processes and, and products that we have in place. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And um, I think that, you know, one of the things uh, yesterday, Jason, that you said that really, you know, resonated with me was um, I think in what you're, you know, this leads me to it, Jess, is like the time is now it's, it's our time. It's the mm -hmm. time, right? We've got, it's unfortunate that it took a global pandemic and other crises to, you know, to, to get the CEOs and the rest of the C-suite to go, oh shit, yeah, I'm not just gonna nod my head in the meeting about culture, I need to invest in it. Um, it's, but, but now's the time, now's the time to hold ourselves accountable and our leaders accountable to that experience and everything that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nothing new. I, um, so I was getting, you know, knowing what the, the, the theme was purpose this week and, and watching your session yesterday, um, I pulled up um, a couple things, right? I did a survey in 2016 and a report that was called Where Purpose Meets Performance. And it's, uh, and I asked, you know, this was the question of the day. It was, would you choose more meaningful work and less pay? And uh, of over 50% said that they would. 
and it wasn't generationally like there everybody likes to pin it on like oh those young whippersnappers what then it was the millennials right yeah. like if they want they want these things that nobody else wants it's not true the the 55 to 64 year olds were the highest at 63 percent then fast forward to 2019 i did a global survey um the workplace intelligence report and i asked a similar question and it was the same it was over 50 percent said yeah i i i want more meaning than just the work that i do and i would take less money for it and it generationally it didn't matter whether they were gen z millennials gen x or uh boomers that were leaving the workforce and it's I think it's um, like we know this, like we know this and we know that we get great value and ROI from this, from these things. And we've got we've got to push not just the technology, but we've got to push our leaders toward investing in it so that we can then support those programs with with good technology. It's it's um, it's one of my I've been looking at this since 2013 when we started talking about engagement and culture and um I just I'm really passionate about the fact that, um, you know, there, we can use technology for good and we've got to focus on the good. We've got to focus on people. George, I give you a ton of credit in listening to vendors pitch stuff to you <laughs> that, that, you know, isn't real yet or that, you know, probably has no chance of ever being real. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, I lost patience with that. Um, so I watch, <laughs> I watch I watch you. And then I learned, um, but you know, like someone pitched me on virtual reality and how everyone's going to be wearing headsets. Um, and I'm not, I mean, I, I try to st- keep up with somewhat the times, but like some of the stuff that you're being pitched, like, do you see people being realistic today? Or do you see that some people are just like way too, I mean, what do you think about the metaverse? Like, do you, are we all going to have a home in the metaverse? And this show is going to be in the metaverse, which maybe one could say it already is. <laughs> just people coming. I mean, like, what do you like? Because people always say we're not keeping up with the times. We're not keeping up with the times. Like, yeah, but you're still not doing the basics either. Right. Yeah. Like, still not doing internal mobility. So, like, should you be worrying about the metaverse? And should you be worrying about VR? You know, or should you be? I mean, what, what is, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think people I, are being realistic or are people just developing stuff to say we're looking, we can see the future? Yeah. People I, are laughing um, like the metaverse. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, uh, you know, of course there's a range, but the, 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 especially during, through this pandemic, I started talking about, uh, there are some that I get, that I see that are, I call them products of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't born out of um, out of uh, a real base of knowledge around whether it was recruiting or talent management or whatever. Uh, it was born out of, there's an opportunity here and the world's going hybrid or, you know, upskilling's the buzzword of the day and we need to retain people. So, you know, let's give me the napkin. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out and boom, now I've got $10 million, right? It's, and it, I, you know, the, I saw, I've seen a lot of that recently, but at the same time, um, most people, right? I have a lot of faith in humanity and most entrepreneurs, it's too hard of a road to go down. 
Um, it's a lot of rejection, a lot, right. To, to not want to be realistic and not want to be, not really solve a problem onto your metaverse question. Um, you know, the VR headset that you got for Christmas, that's not the metaverse, right? It's, it's technically, yeah, you're in a virtual world and you're, you know, seeing cool things, playing games, getting a good workout. Maybe now they've got the, the uh, you can have a, a team meeting. That's not the metaverse. The metaverse is about um, web three and leveraging blockchain and um, even Bitcoin, but not for the financial aspects, but for like the sharing aspects. And it's it's getting everything connected. And you'll probably use virtual reality for the same use cases that make sense today. Training, um, uh, you know, having simulations. Um, but, you know, I think the metaverse or what we like to talk about as the metaverse is probably going to look more like um like think remember minority report where it was like the screens were in front of us and i need yeah. you know i can talk to my computer and get stuff back or maybe the movie her you remember that one with joaquin phoenix where that was more like audio and synced in you know uh, scott galloway who he's a uh got a great podcast nyu professor um he believes that the iphone is the vehicle to the metaverse because mm. we're, we're all walking around with earbuds and we're able to like point our phone at something and have a augmented experience. So I, we're so far away from that world being connected um, that I I'm with you hundred percent, Jason, focus on, focus on the problem you need to solve today while you're, you know, play with your VR and look at what's happening with web three, but, but you're, that's just not where things are going. Those those fun virtual meetings are, um, it's like the, it's like that's like the pet rock of of technology, right? It's go, we're going to go somewhere much broad, more broad, and much more integrated, um, and much more useful. Um, but nobody knows what that's going to look like just yet. So one of our the students last night in Steve's class thought video interviewing has been around at least a couple of years. <laughs> I said, no, somebody thought this was a brilliant idea 15 years ago. Maybe it picked up adoption in the last couple of years. That's, that's a good example of innovating a, a little bit. Of, I don't know that it was ahead of its time. It just, sometimes timing is everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And it takes five years. Um, I, I said this yesterday too, the, the, um, it takes a good five years before we even know how the technology is going to be really adopted. Like look at any trend small or large in HR and uh, around technology. And, you know, first it needs to get out, it needs to get used, it needs to get adopted, and then we find what it really means. Like, you know, there's a reason why, um, the, you know, I'll pick on the culture survey um, tools, like they had to add analytics, right? But the surveys had to get out. They needed to get experience with the customers. Customers needed to realize they need more analytics, they need more perspective, and now we need feedback tools. It's all of those tools have gone down a similar path. Some came at it from performance, some from culture, but it took five years before we really understood. And it's not the vendors, right? It's it's the HR leaders who tell us what it what it needs to look like, um, and mm -hmm. they they pull the vendors along. 
that's why that partnership is so critical. I, seriously, the, the vendor, the, the thought partner you choose as your solution provider, it's so critical to be in that conversation together. The solution isn't going to, you know, the, the solution that's being presented to you isn't necessarily exactly suited for your business challenges. It's probably nine, you know, it's certainly built to address that, but you have to think about your business challenges and how you apply the solution. I think so many times we slam something in the door and say, great, we solved for DNI for internal mobility. Well, not, not if you consider the unique business environment and people challenges that you have and, and, re and really, you know, sort of that continuous improvement cycle. What are we doing? What are we measuring? What have we seen? And, and be willing to iterate together. That's a really, really great point to make. Yeah. 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 I, I, you're, especially in this day and age, you're, you're picking a partner, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a three, three year minimal relationship most yeah. of the time. And you're, you're really not, you're making a selection in the here and now, but you you really need to be worried about where it's going to end up and and how are they going to respond to the bumps in the road over the next three to five years? Yeah. So George, I just wanted to make sure that people know how to get a hold of you. They can connect with you with uh, at the green call to action button there. Um, oh, cool. Connect with George, so you can connect with George there. Um, follow George. George does a lot of great work in the space. I, I want to um, thank you, George, for being here. Thanks so, for having so me. Have you and can't wait to have you back. I'd love to have you more often. Um, I shared with Jess in the class that we were at last night that five years ago today or yesterday, I was in Moscow uh, oh. giving a speech to a bunch of recruiters. And five years ago today, I was in Ukraine uh, giving a speech at an HR tech conference. And I, I guess I would just like to close with asking you guys all to keep those people in mind. Um, it, whether they're in Russia, whether they're in Ukraine, Ukraine, excuse me, that part of the world is going through a lot right now. And, um, you know, just like we've all been through a lot ourselves in the last two years, that part of the world is going through a lot. And uh, just ask you guys to keep those people in mind because we all know relatives, we all know family members, we all know friends and colleagues that are part of that world. So on that note, um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Um, pay attention to what's going on around the world around you and um, keep people in mind that aren't lucky enough to talk about the things we're talking about here today um, and are worried about really how they're going to wake up the next morning. So, George, thank you. Jess, thank you. Thank you, George.